Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for one of my favorite hours of the entire week. I look forward to each and every episode of 80s Wrestling, the podcast. My name is Jumpin' Jay, and I'm joined by the newly christened, the new Mr. Monday Night, the one and only Tommy Fierro. Tommy, welcome <laughs> back, man. How you doing? Hey, brother. How was your weekend, man? It's, it was a great weekend. This week has been flying by. I've been super busy here in Minnesota. I know you've got a lot going on in your neck of the woods. How is autumn? How is fall time in New Jersey? Uh, it's, start, it's starting to get a little cooler, man, which is awesome because uh, I'm a big guy, so I, I like it when it's a little bit cooler, you know. But uh, the, the leaves are starting to change. You can feel the, the chill in the air in the morning time, Jumping Jay, and uh, Hopefully, uh, there's supposed to be a couple 80-degree days coming up soon, I think. Hopefully, uh, it gets a little bit cooler soon. But, yeah, man, things are going good here in New Jersey. Uh, much better than in Minnesota, obviously, because you never did have the Wrestling Eye magazine uh, back in the day. But uh, I do digress. Well, I don't feel too bad about that, Tommy, because while you were busy reading about superstars, Minnesota was busy growing wrestling superstars. Some of the best talent in the world came out of Minnesota, including the guy we're talking about today. But before we get into that topic, I got to know, what has been going on in the world of the wrestling collector superstore out there in New Jersey? Well, we just had a, uh, a signing uh, this past Sunday. We had an ECW day here at the store, and we had Sabu, Just Incredible, and 911 appearing here at the store. That was this past Sunday. I'm, I have off from doing any signings this Saturday and Sunday at the store because I promised my wife that I would keep a free weekend in uh, October free for us to do. We, we love fall stuff, going to farms and apple picking and pumpkin picking, all that all that cool stuff with our daughter. So uh, this 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 Saturday and Sunday, there's no stores, uh, no signings at the store. Uh, this Monday though, uh, we return on October the 11th with uh, J.J. Dillon for the virtual signing on uh, our 80s Wrestling Facebook page. Originally, it was supposed to be J.J. Dillon and Barry Windham. Uh, however, Barry Windham uh, needs to reschedule a date. We're looking at a uh, December date right now. Uh, should have that finalized within the next week or so with uh, Barry. But, you know, st- stuff like this happens at, at times. You know, it happened with us, you know, just last a couple uh, ago with Hunky Tonk Man where he needs to reschedule. We, we book these dates out, or at least I do. I book these dates out like five, six months in advance. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of promoters and wrestlers, they don't, they don't book that far out, but I like to just you know, have all my ducks in a row and have my whole schedule booked. But, uh, so when you book that far in advance, unfortunately, stuff happens at times. And uh, again, it's happening next weekend at the Wrestling Collector uh, Superstore. We were scheduled to have the Killer Bees and Typhoon on the 17th, and Brian Blair's having some health issues right now and is unable to make it, so we need to reschedule the Killer Bees. Uh, but a great, great, great last-minute replacement for the Killer Bees for next Sunday here at the Wrestling Collector in New Jersey is going to be the mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart. He is going to be appearing at the Wrestling Collector next Sunday. We're going to throw the... Uh, photo options up on the website later today so anyone that doesn't live in the area and would like to get an autographed picture personalized to you from Jimmy Hart they'll be available on 80s wrestling con 
dot com uh, probably by this evening. But uh, yeah, man, uh, just just you know, the day before we have Haku at the store here on Saturday, so we're doing an Oktoberfest weekend next weekend, Jay. It's going to be Haku on Saturday, the sixteenth, and Typhoon and uh, Jimmy Hart on the seventeenth. Uh, Man, you've got so much stuff going on. Every time you start listing the amount of people and the who's who that's coming your way, I always just get a big grin on my face. And the thing is, when you talk about having to reschedule because of scheduling conflicts where things come up, the thing I'm amazed with is you are scheduling so many wrestlers, so much talent that I'm surprised it doesn't happen more. And then when it does happen – you are so good at pivoting and going down a different avenue. Like, in no way, shape, or form should Jimmy Hart be a replacement for anybody. Like, that's a marquee name. And here, one thing doesn't work out, so you go back to the well, and you're bringing the mouth of the South. Like, I'm just, I'm constantly impressed, Tommy, with how well you move and you pivot, and you're always on top of things, delivering the best possible experience for us, the fans. So thank you for that. <laughs> the mouth of the South meets the mouth of the East. Tommy Fierro. That's going to be quite the, uh, quite the meeting. <laughs> hey man. Uh, first of all, I appreciate all those kind words, but yeah, unfortunately stuff like this happens at times. And you know, like the, the thing with honky tonk, man, that was a, a last minute thing too. Luckily I was able to get Medusa uh, who, you know, I mean, I'm sure I was disappointed that he wasn't going to be there. I know everyone else was as well. But, you know, he promised me he would reschedule in the near future. So you're, you're at a situation where you have to deliver something, you know. So uh, Medusa was a, a, a good replacement for him. And with Barry on Monday, it's a little bit easier because I have J.J. Dillon already. So if I put someone else with J.J., it really doesn't make too much sense when they were expecting kind of like a horseman thing. So, you know, Barry is going to reschedule first in the near future. So it will be J.J. on Monday. But yeah, any 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 upcoming signings at the store or virtual, you go to eighteeswrestlingcon.com and, and place your orders. And then we we ship the photos out to you uh, after the signing. But enough of that. Today is a very 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 special episode. One of my favorites growing up as a kid. I know he was one of yours as well. And you know he was in your uh, your home state. We're talking about the career of Mister Perfect, Kurt Henning. And if you have any favorite Mister Perfect moments and memories give us a call at the show we're live right now uh the area code is 516-595-8295 again once again that's 516-895 what's it oh man i'm, I'm drawing a blank here <laughs> tommy you gotta just, crack open one of your monster energy drinks yeah let me, let me do brother. that right now hold on hold on let me do it right now. You, 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 you do the number all right, if you're listening live to the Blog Talk Radio website, the guest call-in number, it's 516-595-8295. You can call in I was right. and kick off this conversation. Are you, did, you, did you have a sip of the monster? Yeah, but I was right. I, I, that's the number I did say. No, man, you missed the 595 the second time. You went straight to the 8295. I was, I was talking about the first time, brother. The first time you nailed it. First time was beautiful. It was a thing of beauty. You could say the first time it was perfect. Speaking of that, the lines are already lighting up, Tommy. They're dying to talk about Mr. Perfect. So we're going to take our first caller. This is this is a guy that calls into the show almost every week. I think he's only missed one episode. He's darn near perfect on his call-ins. We're going live to the great city of Butler 
and we got Danny on the phone. Danny, welcome back to 80s Wrestling, the podcast, brother. Trumpet J, Tommy, it feels good to not have to introduce myself. You guys already know when the, the number uh, kicks off, that uh, that feels pretty good. <laughs> I got that on, number man? memorized, brother. That's 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 pretty awesome. I guess uh, I'm I'm doing something. I guess I'm doing something right. You sure are, Danny from Butler. So we're talking today about Mr. Perfect Kurt Henning, one of the iconic names from the golden era of the WWF. Obviously, he's he's had a big career outside of the WWF. He was in the AWA. He was in WCW. So I mean, he's got a, a very 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 celebrated career. You know, primarily we're going to probably mostly talk about w, his WWF run just because, you know, that's what we grew up on, is him there. But uh, what, what are some of your favorite Kurt Henning uh, memories growing up? Well, you know, like I said, what a, one of the great uh, in-ring performers of all time uh, definitely deserved uh, a run with the WWF title. He would have been a, a – I think he would have been the perfect – you know, no, no pun intended. He would have been the perfect uh, heel champion. It would have been – you know, I, I think he would have – Definitely had a great run, but um, you know he had you know a tremendous career. Um, you know obviously you could say his career spanned from the AWA into the WWF to WCW. Um, obviously I followed him more with the WWF. Um, during that you know coming in in the late 80s into the into the 90s, and you know obviously you know you start off with his career. You know all the little vignettes that he used to do. You know hitting the you know with, with weight bogs, hitting a baseball, shooting hoops, catching his own passes doing uh, the the diving off the diving board and, and all that stuff. You know, you know, who could forget the the Saturday night's main event when he desecrated the the wing Eagle WWF championship, you know, that that set up a tremendous feud with Hogan that, that lasted into, you know, in the 89 into 1990. Those guys had some, you know, good battles uh, on Saturday night's main event and whatnot. Um, and obviously, like I said, you can't talk about the intercontinental championship without him. Um, one of probably the top five great intercontinental champions of all time. I, that title was perfect for him. You know, when you talk about, you know, the workhorse title, I don't think anybody, you know, he, he epitomized what an intercontinental champion should be, um, you know, winning that uh, that tournament after Warrior won the title at, at WrestleMania six. you know, beating Tito Santana. I don't know if you guys, you know, it, it, you know, it's kind of funny, you know, when I'm looking back at that, his first title when, uh, when he won against Tito, that uh, uh, superstars of wrestling, you know, I don't know if you remember, but when he won that championship, they actually handed him the tag team title instead of the Intercontinental Champion. I don't know the whole backstory to that, but that was pretty that was pretty cool. And then, you know, obviously, his you know his, the little run he had with Texas Tornado, um, and you know, leading up to the his match with uh, Bret Hart at SummerSlam '91, uh, which kind of kicked off uh, Bret's uh, singles run. Um, you know, what, what made it incredible was of the fact that, you know, he competed in such a great match. That's one of my all-time favorite matches uh, at SummerSlam uh, 91, uh, and he did that with a bad back. So that kind of, you know, that shows the the professionalism he did, how much respect he had for Brett to show up and uh, do the job for him. But he was just, just a tremendous uh, a tremendous athlete, you know, tremendous. And, um, you know, what can you say? You know, I, I kind of wish at that time, like towards the end of 91, when uh, Steamboat came back, as the dragon, and I kind of wish that they worked together because that that would have been magical. But like I said, he had a, a great run, one of the great superstars of all time. And like I said, it, you know, uh, you know, obviously he was known for his pranks, and obviously, you know, 
you know, those are, you know, that, that state of Minnesota knows how to breed wrestlers, uh, you know, from Rick Rude to Perfect to Lesnar. And if I'm missing anybody else, uh, Jumping Jay, just uh, follow on. But like I said, one of the greatest of all times and, uh, you know, just a, a tremendous superstar. And there you have it for another episode of 80s Wrestling, the podcast, because <laughs> Danny from Butler just rattled off the entire career of Mr. Perfect, and he did it absolutely perfect. So until next week, well, I'm really kidding. Man, <laughs> Danny from Butler, man, that was excellent. I, I could have, listen, man, and, and I, I'm, I'm sure I'm talking for Jay, too. I could have sat here and listened to you talk for another 20 minutes. You, you captivated well, my I, attention. Seriously, I probably could have. I, obviously, that would have been easy. But like I said, I, I gotta, you know, I gotta give uh, everybody else their due. Brother, that was that was great, man. You, you, you. I tell you what, uh, Jay. There's nothing better than a man well prepared. And Danny from Butler was definitely prepared for today's topic. Danny, we appreciate you calling in every week, and it has to be a must that you call in every week because uh, we, we enjoy listening to you, right? Right, Jay. Listen, the whole time Danny was talking, you should have seen me. I, had a, I was smiling ear to ear because everything he was saying is exactly the reason why we're doing a show on Mr. Perfect. He was Absolutely. such a big part of this era, and everything Danny said brought back those childhood feels to me, Danny. So thank you for calling in, brother. Well, you guys, uh, not, nothing but all the love. Uh, keep, uh, keep up the good work, and uh, you know, look forward to uh, keep talking to you guys weekly. I'll tell you what, Danny, I'm going to put you on the spot right now before you go. We have another caller on the hold. But uh, right now, top of your head, what would be the topic you want us to discuss next week right here on 80s Wrestling Podcast? That's a lot of pressure right there. I'll tell you what, you text Um, me later. You text me later and you let me know. Danny from Butler is going to choose the topic. you know what? Uh, since I already went on, top, I went on record uh, right now. I, yeah, I would definitely like to uh, do some uh, Ricky Steamboat talk next week. What do you think? I think that's gonna be an episode on Let's the dragon next next Thursday. Let's book Let's it. Let's book it. That's, that, well, I'm down for that. That's awesome. Yeah. Next next Thursday, right here on the podcast, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Danny, thank you so much for calling in, man. My pleasure. Like I said, all the love, and uh, you guys uh, just uh, keep hitting it out the ballpark. Thank you, brother. Bless you, man. Tommy, that Danny, I'm not lying when I say he brought back all those childhood feels. Like everything he was saying about Mr. Perfect put a smile on my face because Mr. Perfect was such a part of the scene in 80s wrestling. He was that first cool, cocky heel character that you couldn't help but kind of pull for even though he was a bad guy. Danny, I love it when he calls in. But you're right. We had another call waiting on hold that whole time. And so we're going to jump into our second caller of the Mr. Perfect show. If, if I'm correct, the area code makes me think uh, it's from the Indianapolis area. Hello, caller. Welcome to 80s Wrestling, the podcast. What's your name and where are you calling from? I am in Indianapolis. My name is Patrick. I, have, I actually have the uh, Mr. Perfect um, fan page, which you want to call it on Instagram, that I've had for a couple of years now. Hey, what's going on, man? Thanks for calling in. Uh, Jay, if you don't yep. follow this account and anyone out there that doesn't follow this account, one of my favorite accounts on uh, Instagram. And the, the best part is he's a super cool guy. And let's it's, it's Mr. Perfect underscore the fan page. So anyone on Instagram, 
Just type sure. in Mr. Perfect underscore the fan page. Uh, he's got a, a lot of followers, over 17,000 followers. He posts really, really awesome pictures and graphics of Mr. Perfect. So anyone that's a fan of Mr. Perfect definitely has to follow this page. Now, obviously, he's one of your favorites growing up because you dedicated a whole page to him. Tell, tell me the yeah. process of, of, of starting that page for him. So I don't have a lot of friends that are into wrestling. I just I don't know why. So uh, I don't know. Like maybe ten years ago, I, I started a page on Facebook called it was called Dub Boys uh, Wrestling Page, and um, I don't know. It just kind of you know it's kind of like a dime a dozen with wrestling pages. And everyone's like you know you should do just perfect, just do like a a thing for him. So I did, I went ahead and just switched it over because you know I have three daughters and I just kind of get tired of posting the same thing. So. I try to do like one one post a day, and uh, you know, just you know, it's I just I love having it, you know. It's, um, sure. It's Again, anyone out there that that is on Instagram, check out the page. It's really cool. Again, the the account is Mister Perfect underscore the fan page. Mister Perfect underscore the fan page. Now, you obviously probably have tons of. Mr. Perfect memories and moments. If if you had to narrow it down to say the top three Mr. Perfect moments uh, for you in, in no particular order, what what would they be? You know, it's hard to say. I can I can you know it could change tomorrow, but off the top of my head, um, WrestleMania Seven. We got tickets the night before I was raised in, in California, so we got tickets like a day or two before, which is kind of strange because it was a smaller venue and it was sold out. But somehow we got it, so we got to go see that, and it was. Mr. Perfect versus the Big Boss Man, and the Big Boss Man. If you watch that, he was he was more over than it kind of seems like. He was super over. So that's probably the only person in the building that was going for Mr. Perfect at the time. But that was a pretty pretty great time. And then the next year, my dad happened to move out to Indianapolis, which was WrestleMania eight. So we got to go see him again. But that time he was a Flair. So we still got to see him. That was kind of cool. And then, Wait, your dad, and your, then dad your dad flew, your dad flew you to WrestleMania eight? You said. Yeah, for my birthday. That's awesome. I mean, nowadays, yeah. nowadays, you know, it's common for, you know, uh, families and people to travel all around the United States to go to WrestleMania every year. But back then, you know, WrestleMania, the early WrestleManias, I mean, to have your dad, uh, you know, fly you guys there to see him. And that's, that's super cool. That's a, that's a super cool dad right there, right, Jay? That, unless he's a pilot, you wouldn't be flying your kids anywhere back when we were kids. So... <laughs> Ah, uh, that's unbelievable. That's that's a very happy birthday right there. Yeah, it was it was it was great. Yeah, that's back that's back we could fly by ourselves too. Now you can't do any of that. But back then, I flew right up on my stuff and it was great. Took me over to the airport, went to the show a couple of days later, and that was that. Listen, Patrick, I got to ask you a question. Okay, oh, now all right when 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 we're kids and we're watching wrestling we're pretty much following their narrative of who's the good guy and who's the bad guy. And you're always cheering for the good guy and you're kind of, you're, you're taught, you're programmed not to cheer for the bad guy. I've shared on this show that Mr. Perfect was the very first heel wrestler that I openly cheered for. And I remember as a kid feeling a little conflicted because I'm not supposed to cheer for the bad guys, but I love Mr. Perfect. So what the heck? I'm going to start cheering for Mr. Perfect. What was it right. about Mr. Perfect for you that caught your eye and made you a fan of his when he was 
presented as a heel wrestler? What was it that made you say, I don't care how they're presenting him. I love him. I'm going to be a fan of this guy. I mean, you know, he, he literally had it everything. He had the look. He had the sound. He had Heenan. He just had it all. And you knew it was authentic. You know, a lot of these guys have these crazy gimmicks that you know are just you – know, they're just so crazy and outlandish that they're, that they're, they can't be accurate. You know, Mr. Perfect, he did all that. The, the, it spoke for itself, you know, in the matches. And I was kind of like the bad guys anyway, like him and Rude, DiBiase, but, you know, Perfect, he was just – he just gave. And, you know, even as a kid, I realized that. So what are your thoughts on him never getting what many people feel to be – he, he deserved a run with the world title. Do you feel that he should have got a chance to run with the world title, or are you perfectly content with the career that he had as is? Well, you know, I'm a bit conflicted. I mean, at the end of the day, it is a business, and you know, a good business to have a was have Hogan as a you know the champion or warrior to have the, the baby face. So you know, I kind of get it. You know. Um, Injuries kind of played a part in that, too. He had injuries, you know, throughout his whole career, not just, you know, 91. So, and then, you know, when you're the champion, you got to do a lot of press, and you got to do this, you got to do that. You're not home a lot. Kurt liked to be at home with his family. He liked to go hunting and fishing and all that good stuff. So, I think he was good in his role with it. But, you know, I'm, I'm good with it. You know, we, we're still talking about him all these years later. So, you know. Oh, absolutely. I don't, think, I don't think any fan of wrestling will ever forget the name Kurt Henning, will ever forget Mr. Perfect. So then before we let you go, Patrick, I'm dying to know, do you have the match? Like if you were, gonna, if you were going to recommend a Mr. Perfect match to somebody that has never seen a Mr. Perfect match, do you have a favorite match that you would, that's your go-to Mr. Perfect match? I mean, anything from 1991. I mean, obviously most people are going to say 91 with Brett, SummerSlam. But uh, well, that's almost too easy, you know. I I, I don't know. I'd, I'd go with the first one I ever saw, him versus Bossman at Mania 7 in California. That was just – I loved it. You know, it was the Heenan family versus Bossman. He's kind of picking them off one at a time and finally got the big win over, over Mr. Perfect. And it was just – it was great. It worked out great. That's a good pick. And I like what you said earlier. Mr. Perfect had believability. You believed – everything that he did. And so that's what drew you into that character is, man, he could have a great match with anybody. He was one of the best technical wrestlers of all time. You could argue that he was a little bit ahead of his time with the things he could do in the ring, but just the believability would draw you into his storyline every time. It, it, it was perfect, Patrick. Yeah, man, absolutely. All right. Well, Patrick, thank you so much for calling in. Thanks so much, uh, I just get I just gave you a follow on your Instagram. And so if anybody else is a fan of wrestling, a fan of Mr. Perfect, check out his Instagram page, uh, Mr. Perfect underscore the fan page. A lot of amazing photos and memories from the life of Kurt Henning. Uh, so thank you for calling in, Patrick. Uh, and we hope to hear thank from you, you again. Sir. All right. Thank you, guys. All right, Tommy. We've started this show off hot with two callers who are passionate about Mr. Perfect. But I've yet to hear the voice of the perfect one in New Jersey there, Tommy Fierro. And so I know you're a huge fan of him. So I got to know, as a kid, what drew you to the, to the Mr. Perfect persona? 
without question, all the, his vignettes that he did when they were introducing him and introducing his character, uh, I always thought it was so cool that he did everything perfectly, whether it was golf or bowling or uh, any anything that he did, any of the vignettes, it was absolutely perfect. And now me, I was a kid, I was a big bowler. I don't know if I ever told you this, Jay. I was uh, very much in the bowling when I was younger. I was on, you know, uh, teams and I bowled in school. So I, I, I was a big, I was really, really big in the bowling. And I did a bunch of junior bowling tournaments every weekend. So seeing him be able to throw that ball and turn around and I'm going to look at it and then get a strike. Man, I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. And you're right. He was one of those heels that you liked. And, and, and you're right again when you're saying that back then, you know, we were, you know, there was no, and this in the past also, there's no, there's no internet. There's no really dirt sheets. There's no really nothing back then. So you were programmed to cheer and boo who they wanted you to cheer and boo through the stories that they told on their television show every week. But, you know, once in a while, someone like Mr. Perfect comes along who has that cool and hip factor, and you can't help but uh, like him. And, and, and he was one of the first heels I ever did like uh, back then. And I also always played him and Ultimate War together in the tag team when uh, I played the arcade game in the in the arcades. So uh, he, he was definitely one of my favorites growing up. But, yeah, if to answer your question, definitely – uh, the vignettes that they, they shot on him introducing his character uh, definitely drawed me into him. How, how about you? Just listening to you talk about the vignettes, that's a piece of modern wrestling that I think is missing out because you would see Big these time. vignettes and they would stretch them out for weeks at a time and they would build up the anticipation. And if you would just, if you're a performer, Tommy, and they come to you and they say, we're going to call you Mr. Perfect. Like, that's a lot of pressure. There's a lot to like live up to. You're not Mr. Mediocre. You're not Mr. Win Some, Lose Some. You're Mr. Perfect. And then what a better way to introduce you to the audience than these vignettes where you're not even wrestling. Like you said, you're bowling. You're playing pool. You're throwing darts. You're throwing footballs to yourself. You're doing all these things that as kids, we all did and yet this guy's doing it perfectly with little effort. He's rolling a strike with not even looking. He's hitting bullseye with not even looking. And so those things already caught your eye because Tommy's watching TV and Tommy's going, I'm on a bowling team and I don't get a strike every time. And I'm looking at the pins and here this guy is yep. throwing, not looking. And he's not even a bowler. He's a wrestler. So I can't wait to see what he does once he gets into the ring. And so I agree. That was a beautiful way to introduce his character, but just the way he carried himself and the believability and the fact that, man, he was quick in the ring. He had technical wrestling ability, but yet he was that cool, confident character that you couldn't help but kind of be drawn to. And so, yeah, just the total package uh, of Mr. Perfect is what caught your eye. Now, Tommy, I'm dying to know, after you saw that bowling vignette, your next Tuesday night bowling league, you <laughs> to throw a strike without looking? <laughs> well, first of all, Jay, this is 1989. I would have been, I would have been uh, 11 years old. I don't think I'm on a Tuesday night bowling team at 11 years old, buddy. <laughs> what time was your bowling league? Don't say Saturday morning because then you're missing wrestling. <laughs> yeah, well, it was uh, 
I think it was Sunday morning. Sunday morning. Sunday morning. My, missing yeah. church, but not missing wrestling. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, you're right, man. Like, it was cool to see uh, him do that stuff. Like, you know, hit, hit, a, hit a bullseye with one try and, you know, hit the eight ball with one try or the strike without looking or hitting a, a, a baseball out of the ballpark. Just everything he did, he did it, like you said, with little to no effort, and he did it perfectly. So you couldn't help but uh, be drawn to his character, whether he was a heel or a babyface. It's still intriguing, uh, and it catches your attention when you see a guy that's freaking doing everything perfectly, and you're wondering how, as a kid, how can he do everything so perfectly? So, yeah, you were uh, definitely, definitely, definitely anticipating seeing him in the ring. And, and, And real quickly off subject, uh, how you said that's pretty much a lost art form. The vignettes, absolutely five billion percent a lost art because you know back then when they introduce a new character, whether it had been Mister Perfect or uh, who, whoever the character may be that they were bringing in, you know there would be weeks and weeks and weeks. Or Diviasi when they first brought him, and there'd be weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, sometimes months of vignettes you know, getting this character over and getting him ingrained into the brains of all the wrestling fans watching at home. So when he does finally appear, one, you already know who he is. Two, you're already invested in his in his character. And three, you're excited to see what he can finally do in the ring. So it was such a great, great, great character development back then. Uh, I don't understand why they don't do it today. They they do sometimes, but it might last a week or two, and that's about it. I mean, back then, they really spaced it out and really took their time and really told the story of a character. Like, remember when the Bushwhackers first debuted? I remember them going to the to the uh, zoo. And, I, I mean, it's every character had those character developments back then. I think that that is something that's drastically, drastically, drastically missing in, in today's wrestling. 100% agree. Let's talk just for a moment. Now, you have Mr. Perfect, who could cut a great promo on his own, but yet they teamed him with Bobby Heenan, which I think was an amazing pairing. And then on the way to the ring, he would do the gum slap, he would do the towel toss, and all that led into you believing he was perfect. Because if he would miss that gum slap or if he would miss throwing that towel to Bobby Heenan, He's, he's putting that title of Mr. Perfect on the line. Tommy, talk to me. you got a promoter's brain. And so if you have a talent like Mr. Perfect, who doesn't necessarily need to be tied to a Bobby Heenan, why do you think that works so well? And why do you think, from a promoter's standpoint, that was this decision they went with? And I know you weren't there. You don't know. But you got that kind of brain. And so uh, talk to me about what you feel about that pairing. Well, yeah, I, I agree that Perfect was uh, – he was really, really good, M- much like Rick Rude where he really didn't need to have a manager. But I, I think probably – and again, you know, I was a kid then, but looking back at it now as as someone that, you know, understands the, the business, uh, they probably put Perfect with him because Heenan had a shitload of heat on him and was over with the audience. So uh, I think that they, they knew they had something with this character – and I think that they probably really, really, really thought they had something with this character and the, the meaning behind it. And then you put him with someone that already has an established, uh, you know, established name with, with, with the company and someone that is over huge with that company. 
you you put perf- that character Mr. Perfect with him, and I think that it gives it automatic credibility. And uh, Perfect is not starting at the bottom of the the ladder. Uh, being with Mr. Uh, being with uh, Bobby Heenan, excuse me, uh, being with Heenan, I think that automatically elevates him to the top, the top uh, of the, you know, the the top of the middle tier or even the bottom of the top tier uh, instantly, because uh, Perf- uh, Heenan was just such a, you know, amazing character performer who, you know, had so much heat with the the audience. Uh, I think that's probably why I think that uh, they figured if they put that character with Bobby, even though. Again, he didn't need it, and I don't think Rick Rude needed it either. But uh, just the association of being with Heenan, who was such an established character, uh, I think elevated both of them, Perfect and Rick Rude. You know, that's a great that's a great viewpoint on it, Tommy. And and as we talked about a little bit earlier, with no internet and no real access to the quote unquote inside of the business, you we were programmed as fans to kind of boo for who they told us to boo for and cheer for who they told us to cheer for based on the storylines. And if you have a new character and you team him with a well-established over heel manager like Bobby Heenan, you're right. In, in the mind of us watching the, the program, we immediately associate Mr. Perfect with a bad guy and we immediately know we're supposed to boo him. And so, again, that's a little thing that they could do when bringing somebody in that guarantees that, one, they get over as being an important person, but, two, it kind of told us, the fans, what side of the fence Mr. Perfect was on because you run the risk of a Mr. Perfect before because he was so darn cool. And this was an era when the cool heel really wasn't a thing. It wasn't cool to cheer for the bad guy. And so if you had somebody like Mr. Perfect, who you probably could have pushed either way, I get it. The whole moniker of being Mr. Perfect, I'm better than you, that's designed to rub people the wrong way. But when you have a performer like Kurt Henning who can play that off so well that you can't help but kind of like it, it helps to have him paired with with one of the all-time great heel managers just so fans know kind of what side of the storyline he's on. Let's transition, Tommy, to start talking about what Mr. Perfect was like when he stepped between the ropes and when he got into the ring. He had what our callers have identified as one of the greatest technical wrestling styles that we were privy to as young fans. And it was much different than you would see from an Ultimate Warrior or a Hulk Hogan. Um, It was that technical side of wrestling, and he did it so well. What are some of your fondest memories of his in-ring work, whether it be a particular moveset that he did, whether it be the way that he uh, carried himself in the ring? What do you remember about his in-ring work? Oh, man, his in-ring work was phenomenal. And like Danny from Butler said at the top of the program, you know, his match with Bret Hart at SummerSlam, that, that's one of my favorite matches too. Just a tremendous, tremendous match. But you know, everything about him, man, he had swag. You know, like like you said, when he walked to the ring, he would throw the towel behind him, and and freaking you got to give Heenan credit too, because Heenan would catch it. There's one uh, meme out there uh, video. I'm sure if you Google it, you can you can see it. Tell you if you type in Mr. Perfect throws towel to Bobby Heenan, I'm sure it'll pop up. But like he slings this uh, back, and like it, the towel goes over Heenan's head, and freaking Heenan puts his hand out behind his back <laughs> and catches it. You know what I'm talking about, right? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. You, couldn't, you couldn't do that again in a million years if you tried. So it's 
like when you're, you're a kid watching this at home and you see something like that, you're like, well, I wasn't saying that at that age, but now like, holy shit, how, the, how does he do everything so perfectly, you know? So uh, just his swag, man, the way, he, the way he carried himself. He carried himself like a main event star. You know, he carried himself as someone, the way he walked, the way he talked, the way he acted, you know, like, the, the, his, you know, just like the, the spit in the gum. I mean, every little element to his, his, uh, his character worked for him. And, uh, and Heenan was, was a great part of it because, uh, you know, like I said, Heenan, he, and Heenan can add to his character. But, uh, yeah, his match with Bret Hart is probably stands out one of my favorite. But I also, I loved, loved, loved the uh, Intercontinental title tournament where he defeated Tito Santana in the finals to, uh, to win, the, uh, to win the, the title. I, lo- I love that match. It's one of my favorite perfect memories. That is, I think if you're making a list of the top five matches in Perfect's career, the match against Tito Santana is going to be on that list for sure. Um, before we start sharing our top matches, because there's a lot of perfect matches, and the two that, the Tito Santana one and then the other one, Bret Hart at SummerSlam, which is probably my perfect favorite perfect match of all time, showcases everything that he could do in the ring. He could have a great match with anyone, but when you put him in there with someone the level of a Tito or someone the level of a Bret Hart, really something special happens inside that ring. And before we get to the matches, one of my top favorite, favorite things about Mr. Perfect's in-ring ability is, yes, on the offensive side, he could go. He could be quick. Crisp drop kicks, love the perfect plex, love everything about his offense. But I think one of my favorite parts of Mr. Perfect in the ring is the way he would sell. This is a guy who knew how to sell in a way that got his opponent over and didn't take away from the perfect persona at all. He would sell like nobody's business, hit the turnbuckle, flip over. He would slide out of their ring. His hair would be kind of all a mess, and he would kind of have that look on his face like, I can't believe what's happening, and he would recollect himself. A lot of guys, especially when you get to the top level, you can be afraid that overselling makes your character look weak. Tommy, in your opinion, and I I could be wrong, in your opinion, is Mr. Perfect one of the best sellers in this era? Any era. Any era. I like that. Any era. Yeah, he was just, phenomenal, man. Phenomenal. Listen, you're, you're a promoter. You've stepped between the ropes. You've seen a lot of wrestling live and in person. Just for the listening audience, tell me, how important is it to have somebody who can properly sell for his opponent? That's everything, man. I mean... That's how you still, that's how you tell a story. That's how you get people invested, you know. I mean, and that's how you get over, you know, other performers as well. You know, I mean, if if I was Jay, if I was to hit you with my famous, uh, my famous New Jersey DDT, and you stood right up, what what does that what does that mean? It, it, exactly. It, it takes all credibility. It means you have away. a very hard head. <laughs> it, it, it takes credibility away from your move. It takes heat away from you, and then. It's been said. So if you talk your opponent down and then you beat them, what have you done? You've beaten somebody that you told us you were going to beat. But if you make your opponent look larger than life and then you somehow manage to squeak out a victory, 
man, it, it, it elevates both people. And that's what Mr. Perfect was great at, elevating himself as well as his opponent. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And um, I, I was thinking real quickly, I would love, Jay, just to get off, get off topic for just 30 seconds. I'm just thinking, if you never saw Jay before, Jay's a, a, a big guy. He's tall, about six, what, four, six, five? I'm six, five. I tip the so scale I, at 240. Yeah, but you're you're a you're a, you're a slim two, very slim two forty. Um, yeah, oh, well, that's what I mean. That's what I, that's no, that's what I mean. I'm not, <laughs> no, I'm not you're right. Figure, I'm, I'm, I'm a slim two forty. Yeah. I'm not trying to say you're a toothpick. You know, I mean. You, can you, I bench yeah. press a full grown cow? Sure, but what, what, we're not talking about that. But I'm saying I can picture you all all baby oiled up, with a with a, a towel on your on your shoulder, chewing some uh, bubble gum, and uh, you know. Coming to do the podcast this morning is that is that how you entered the uh, the green room this morning, Jay? Listen, that's how I enter every room. I've been asked to leave so many restaurants because I spit my gum out and slap it uh, across the restaurant, and they're like, "Sir, you're you're causing a scene. You're gonna have to leave." Serious, serious, uh, ser- serious question. And, yeah, and I'll give you my answer as well. Did you ever try to spit out your gum and hit it like Mr. Perfect? Are you kidding? Yes, of course. Millions of times. Have, I'm, I'm sure you did as well. I, I have. I have. Listen, and I did, I, it absolutely, I did it absolutely perfect, too. And then what did, what did, Mrs., what did Mrs. Mommy Fierro say when she saw this behavior? Good job, Tommy. Good job, sweetie. <laughs> and then you toss your mom your, your towel over your shoulder. No, I looked at my mom. I go, I looked at my mom and said, you know what? Now that's perfect. And then you'd grab your eight-pound bowling ball and roll a strike. Man, in the gutter. What, what was the name of your bowling team? And if you don't remember, make something up quick. I'm just curious. What's the what, uh, what bowling team? I don't remember the name. Oh, well, as an adult, the name of my the name of my bowling team was the Good Old Boys. The Good. Do you still bowl, Tommy? Is this like an active thing? I actually went bowling for the first time a couple of weeks ago in a couple of years with my daughter. It was her first time bowling, and uh, she loved it. She loved it. But, yeah, I used to bowl a lot. I used to bowl in leagues and tournaments and stuff like that. I, I, I really don't bowl anymore. But uh, when, I was an, when I was an adult, the name of my team was the Good Old Boys. All right. And as, as a kid, I, I don't remember. I don't remember the name of my team. So, and your daughter, uh, what kind of bowling? Uh, did you see promise in her technique? I, I did. It was her first time ever bowling. She's five, and she, uh, she really enjoyed it. So we'll definitely be going back there. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. But yes, I did spit out the gum like you as a kid and slap it. I think we grew up in an era where they didn't have the uh, the warning, don't try this at home before wrestling. And so we would try everything at home. And that's probably why they have the uh, the warning now. But good for good thing is that the spitting the gum and slapping was one of the safer things you could try for yeah. the stuff you saw it, uh, on TV. Yeah, exactly. But, right? you know, yeah, absolutely, man. But, you know, we're talking about Perfect's in-ring career. You know, he, he did a lot of other stuff also, and he did it pretty much next to Perfect. He was, you know, the advisor role for, you know, Ric Flair when Ric Flair came in, which was obviously a, a big, big, big angle. And he was in a main event angle, and he was right in there with that. You know, he was on primetime wrestling uh, with, you know, Vince McMahon. And I remember Jim Duggan, Hibbley Jim, they used to have that round table. He was a part of that. I mean, he, he's been a, a commentator. He was a commentator. 
So, I mean, he did a lot of stuff. He was with uh, Triple H when Triple H first came into the company. So, I mean, he did a lot of things outside of in-ring stuff as well. He did, and I'm, and I'm sure a lot of that was motivated by the injuries uh, that plagued him. But And when you have a talent like Kurt Henning, you can't just put him on the shelf. And so you fit him in uh, where he fits in. And so, yeah, he could do – he could work both sides of the camera. He could work inside the ring, outside the ring. He, we were blessed because we grew up in an era where we had overall tremendous entertainers that could entertain a crowd in multiple ways. And so you could plug them in in different in different spots. Now, before we jump into the matches, we're going to list our favorite matches here shortly – and we're going to rattle them off pretty quickly. We've, we've addressed the fact that Mr. Perfect never got his run with the World Heavyweight Championship. Some people argue his career kind of deserved that as a cherry on top. Other people would say he didn't need that belt to make his career. Mr. Perfect is one of those guys that when I mentally picture him, I mentally picture him with the Intercontinental Championship belt because, in my opinion, he was one of the best wrestlers to represent that title. When you picture Mr. Perfect, Tommy, do you picture him as an Intercontinental Champion or how do you remember him? Well, I I think that he definitely could have run as the the World Heavyweight Champion, uh, much like Ted DiBiase, much like Rick Rude. I mean, there was a lot, a lot, a lot of Jake Roberts, uh, there's a lot of great heels there at the time that, that could have been uh, the, the, the world champion in the 80s during the, in the Hulkamania heyday. But here's the thing. Uh, they didn't change titles uh, back then like they do today. I mean, back then you would, you would hold the title for a year, two years, and, and sometimes even more. So, you know, their, their formula back then was feed the heels to Hulk Hogan, feed the heels to Hulk Hogan, feed the heels to Hulk Hogan. And uh, the Ultimate Warrior, same thing, Feed the Hills the Warrior, Feed the Hills the Warrior. So it, it was a babyface uh, territory uh, then, you know, the, 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 the babyface would be on top for a while. So, you know, dur- during all their heydays there, whether it have been, you know, Mr. Perfect or, you know, Jake Roberts or Ted DiBiase or, you know, Rick Rude, uh, other talented performers as well, you know, they weren't switching the title often back then and uh, their, their, their formula was feeding the hills to the, the top baby face. So that's the reason why that they weren't the world champions, in my opinion. However, they all clearly easily uh, and deservingly could have been the world champions. Listen, before we jump into my next question, the caller line is lighting up. We've got a caller on hold right now who is a caller that we talked to last week and who put kind of a debate we were having at the end of last night's show to bed thanks to an email response. But we're going to welcome him back live to the show. We have none other than David from Canada on the line. David, welcome back to 80s Wrestling, the podcast. Thanks, Tom and Jay. Tommy, good to talk to you guys again. David, first of all, thank you for calling in, and, and, and secondly, man, we, we got to talk for a second because you know I know <laughs> that right. we emailed back, we emailed back and forth recently over this this uh, discovery that Jay's ears thought he heard on last week's episode of Eighties Wrestling the podcast. So if you didn't get a chance to listen to last week's episode, I'll I'll fill you guys in real quickly. It was a it was a episode on the Ultimate Warrior. You can go back in our archives and, and listen to it. Uh, and David from Canada called up. So once David gets off the line, jumping Jay, 
uh, now believes that uh, <laughs> that David from Canada has an Ultimate Warrior pull string action figure where you pull the string and, and it talks like the Ultimate Warrior. So we were debating whether or not this was true or not, or if, if Jay's getting a little bit old and losing his hearing at a young age. So uh, David from Canada heard this and he emailed me to confirm, to confirm Jay that he did not have an Ultimate Warrior pull string figure last Thursday here on the show. Listen, just, just so the record is clear, I did not, my, my initial assumption was not that David had the pull string Ultimate Warrior. You do this show live from your wrestling collector store, where you most likely, there's a high possibility you could have a pull string Warrior in the store. And I will admit, my ears heard the unique squabble of the pull-string warrior trying to talk during the Ultimate Warrior episode. I assumed it was you, Tommy. And so I did the polite thing. I waited till David from Canada got off the air. And then I asked you, are you pulling the string on a warrior? And then when you said no, the only other option was that David had it. But <laughs> David has called in. So let's, let's put this issue to rest. David, when you called in last week to talk about the Ultimate Warrior, were you pulling the string on your 16-inch <laughs> talking Ultimate Warrior figure from the 90s? No, and and what I I, I don't even have that one. I just have the, the the Hasbro one that I talked about. But I will say this: uh, I, I'm a, I'm a high school teacher, and so it's possible that at a distance, a student could have been playing with one. That is possible. But more <laughs> likely, more likely, I think Jumpin' Jay, you were having your Hogan scene warrior in the mirror moment. <laughs> oh, oh that's, that's great. That's a good point. That, that I could have been having a Hogan Warrior mirror moment uh, right here on last week's episode of The Ultimate Warrior. I do like the idea, though, that, David, you, you suspend belief and say perhaps a modern-day high school student is walking around with a pull string toy from the early 90s. I, I hope that is the case. That would make I'll my I'll I'll tell you what, before I give the floor to, to uh, David's, tell some of his favorite Mr. Perfect memories. I will say this, Jay, you'd be surprised. Uh, a lot of the kids that come into my store and they're, they're six, seven, eight, nine years old. You ask them who their favorite wrestlers are. They tell you Hulk Hogan. They tell you ultimate warrior. They tell you Macho Man. Like they know these characters more than the characters that are on TV today, which is mind boggling. But you, with the modern technology of YouTube and the WWE network and their, their parents teaching them about the older generation, Dude, a lot of the kids that come in here, uh, they, they, they know that. So it wouldn't surprise me if they had that. I, I hope they have it, but I hope they're not pulling this string too often because I have one. And the more you pull it, the less it sounds like the warrior and more it sounds like, you know, somebody from the Muppet Babies or something. But it's a collector piece nonetheless, so you should just leave it on a shelf, I guess, for now. David, we're talking about Mr. Perfect. Do you have any memories or uh, fond memories or just – favorite matches from the career of Mr. Perfect? Yeah, there's sort of two things that stand out. Obviously, one that's, one that's been addressed a, a fair bit so far, and that is the vignettes, right? And then the cool thing, I think, about his that, that make it different from somebody else's, like, say, uh, Million Dollar Man, is that the, the star power from other sports, right, and the crossover between uh, wrestling and other sports. And I think that was sort of unique so much to the point where, right, it was Wade Boggs that gave the induction speech when uh, he was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. And I think that's pretty cool that he had that great of an impact and, and you sort of have that crossover appeal to other fans. 
and, and obviously the vignettes are great and it helped with the character and it, you know, made the gimmick that much better for sure. So that's point number one. And then I would say for point number two uh, is the, the longevity, right? A lot of the, you know, wrestling, a professional wrestling career can be, can be really short for a lot of people. Uh, for Mr. Perfect, with all the different promotions he was in, you know, you mentioned AWA, WCW, WWE. But the fact that, like, think of this guy who is, you know, a great wrestler. Obviously, we've talked about that. But he had a feud with Hogan, and it was a great feud. And then, you know, 10 years later, give or take, he's feuding with Stone Cold Steve Austin and getting hit by a steel chair by Steve Austin in the Royal Rumble. And I think, you know, that just adds to the legacy of somebody who's, been doing it for so long and it's had so many great moments with basically different generations of talent absolutely and, and very 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 well said hey i want to ask you real quickly you talked about the vignettes if you had to narrow it down what's the one vignette that stands out the most uh to you when mr perfect was doing them all that 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 really grabbed your attention honestly i think because of of the 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 skill involved in these things. And cause I, I am a golfer. I would say golf because it's right. just, you know, to get it right is, is not an easy thing, even though obviously, you know, you're doing in, in a TV way. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, man, definitely. Um, so yeah. So Mr. Perfect, what's he rank up there in your opinion, as far as uh, all time reformers, top five, top 10, top 20, where, where does Mr. Perfect Kurt Henning land for you up there in Canada? I would say probably like in the low end of the top 10, right? Nice. Because, because again, because of the longevity piece and because of, of the technical ability, right? I, I think you have, you know, there's, there's other guys that I'm definitely putting in my top five. I think I could fill that slot out pretty easy, but once you start going down and you really start thinking about it, thinking like, yeah, this guy was that good. And the gimmick was that great. And you know, he could talk, he could talk to, and yeah, I'm definitely putting them there. Maybe sort of like eight, nine kind of range. Nice, right, David, nice. David, you brought up a point that we really haven't touched on yet. Was that main event run that he had with Hogan in the early '90s? At this time, Hogan is really only facing big, lumbering giant type heels. He really doesn't fight technical wrestlers that often. What do you think it was about Mr. Perfect? that made the company think we should at least test the waters and see how, what kind of reaction we get, put it, meaning putting perfect against Hogan. I, I mean, it could be a lot of things, but I think one of the things is to try and change it up, right? Because you don't want something, anything to become overexposed or become stale. And I think, you know, Hogan was such a big star, such a big part of the company. He's obviously the number one guy, but let's give him something else to sort of freshen up what we're doing here a little bit and, and maybe give it the matches, uh, a, you know, a different angle for people to watch or something else that people can focus in on. That would be my guess. Awesome, man. Well, we appreciate you calling up and uh, next week we're talking about Ricky, the dragon steamboat. So definitely call back next week and uh, talk to us about that until then, man, I hope you have a great day and enjoy your weekend up there in Canada. Thanks guys. And if I could just say one thing real quick, because you inspired me, I started a new Instagram account strictly for the artwork at DJTIU, just the letters art. Hold on, what? Stay, stay I'll on type it in right now. Hang on. Yeah, stay on, D- stay on with me real quick. I'm going I'm to D- follow D- you right now. You. Yeah, at DJTIU okay, art. I'm so, do it one more time for me. 
Okay, D, the letter D as in David, J as in John, T as in Turner, I as in it, U as an umbrella, art. Okay, I got it. I'm following you. Boom, so am I. I appreciate it. And I don't have too much up there right now, but it's going to start populating with stuff. So appreciate it. Appreciate you guys in the podcast, and I look forward to the next time I call in. Thank you, brother. Thank you, David. All right, take care. Look at that. You call into the show, you get two new followers on Instagram immediately, and then when this hits the ears (laughs) of other people, there's going to be some eyes on his artwork. That's very cool. Absolutely, man. And, uh, yeah, it's cool. He sends in uh, our, his artwork for my virtual signings. So, uh, yeah, man, we, I mean, again, we can, we can, we didn't even scratch the surface talking about Mr. Perfect and his absolutely near perfect career that he had. I, I loved him with the genius as well. I think Lenny Papo did a, a great, great, great job uh, of being with perfect. What, what, what was your take on Papo with, uh, with perfect? Uh, when Mr. Perfect and the genius team up and they kind of torment Hulk Hogan and then the genius actually gets a win over Hogan during this kind of storyline stuff. That was some of the most entertaining wrestling that I remember watching. I'm a huge Hogan fan. I was a huge Hulkamaniac growing up and I love to see Hogan take on guys that were larger than life like King Kong Bundy, like Andre the Giant. I love when two icons collided like Warrior and Hogan. But when you would see somebody like the genius or Mr. Perfect, whose main arsenal against Hogan wasn't strength, it was getting underneath his skin. It was just presented in such a different way that it kind of refreshed the whole heel versus Hogan scenario. And so I absolutely loved it. And if we're going to list some of our favorite matches of the perfect end of the show, I would say perfect and genius against Hogan in that whole kind of storyline is one of my favorite perfect uh, storyline type matches. Absolutely. Nice, man. Nice. Yeah. And, and, and again, I said the, one of my favorite ones was with Tito when he won the Intercontinental title. And he also wrestled Tito on Saturday night's main event as well. I remember that being a, a really good match as well. Tito and, 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 and Perfect had great chemistry. But probably my favorite match of Perfect would have been, it might have been with Hogan or uh, just because seeing him in that position as a, as a main eventer, working Hogan, uh, him and uh, Bret Hart, obviously. Yeah. Uh, so you know, he's had a lot of great – he's wrestled Brett in a lot of great matches. I remember King of the Ring, he wrestled him in, and he just had a lot of good matches with, with Brett. But, uh, yeah, definitely one of the most iconic 80s characters of all time, not even 80s ever in the, in the history of professional wrestling, Mr. Perfect Kurt Henning. An absolutely fantastic career, one of the best to ever do it. And, uh, and next week we're going to be talking about <laughs> – we're probably saying the same thing. Uh, because next week we're going to be covering the life and career of Ricky, the Dragon Steamboat here on 80s Wrestling, the podcast. We're live every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern time. We take your call-ins and, and, and talk to you about it. Uh, and uh, anyone out there that is interested in getting old wrestling magazines mailed directly to you, Jay, and I know that you know about this because I did it for you, uh, the Wrestling Collector, my store here in New Jersey, we're going to start doing the campaign again to have uh, a pro wrestling magazine club. 
So you can actually get magazines delivered to your home each and every month. We have different options available on the website. It's the wrestlingcollector.com. It's going to be updated later today. Uh, so if you're listening to this live, uh, check back in a, in, in a few hours or later this afternoon. And uh, there's going to be options where you can pick different packages. Uh, you can get three magazines shipped to your house a month, four, five, or six. And they're all stuff from the 80s and early 90s. Uh, so WCW Magazine, WWF Magazine, Pro Wrestling Illustrated, The Wrestler, Inside Wrestling, The Wrestling I, Jay, will be uh, inserted in some of those um, subscriptions. We have over 3,500 magazines at our store right now in Stockholm, New Jersey, and we're going to be shipping them out. So head over to thewrestlingcollector.com and you can join our Pro Wrestling Magazine Club. And Jay, I know that you got it, so you can tell them about it. Listen, if you if you live in a part of the country that you weren't able to get your hands on the Wrestling Eye, it's a heck of a magazine. All the magazines that Tommy sent me were amazing reads, and I read every single one of them cover to cover because that's what you do when you love wrestling and you love magazines. And so if you want to, it, it's really more of, signing up for a time machine because you're going to get these things in the mail that take you right back to a moment in time when you fell in love with wrestling. So it's much more than just picking up a magazine off your local newsstand. This is a time machine that comes to your house and you open it up and you immediately remember uh, where you were and kind of what you were doing in life when these storylines were first unfolding. And so to go back and read them now as an adult, it really is like rediscovering your childhood. So I would highly recommend it to any fans of wrestling. I tell you what, Jay. We have one more caller on hold. We're, we're about to cut off, but let's let's get him on, or her. Let's find out. Caller, welcome to '80s Wrestling, the podcast. We're talking about Mr. Perfect. Caller, what's your name and where are you calling from? Is that me? That's you. Oh, cool. All right, uh, I'm Dave Flemball. Hey, Dave. How Dave you doing? Flemball. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Pennsylvania, Copley, nice. PA. Yeah. Poster on kayfabe memories and wrestling classic. Let me tell you my Kurt Hennig story. Sure. It, it, it shows what a cool dude he was. And man, he is lot, like a lot bigger than he looks on TV. But um, I was coming back from from the Far East, uh, and I was in the Philadelphia airport. It was like five in the morning on a uh, was it a Sunday or I think it was a Sunday morning, five o'clock in the morning. And, you know, I'm half asleep, and I'm groggy, and I'm walking down, like, empty, completely empty. But here comes this really big dude coming my way. I go, yeah, and you can't, you know, nobody looks like Kurt Hennig, man. I'm like, I looked at him, and I went, Kurt Hennig? I didn't go Mr. Perfect or nothing like that. We're talking about, I guess it was the late 90s. Yeah, it must have been the late 90s. And uh, I, I, Kurt Hennig, I'm like, well, just stunned. I didn't know what to say or anything. I said, can I walk and talk with you for a little bit? He said, sure, man. So, you know, I turned around because he was coming at me, and I, we went the other way. And uh, I, I forget what we were talking about. And I said, uh, what are you in Philly for? There was an independent show uh, that he was um, wrestling for at the time or just making a pop appearance. I don't know. And, you know, we just shot the breeze for a little while, and then, he said, I got to go, and he looked in, like, a little uh, a little store or a little tavern or whatever and, in the airport, and I think it was I think it was Devin Storm who must have been in there. It kind of looked like him, but I had to go anyway. I just wanted to say, you know, how big he looked 
and what a nice guy he was for somebody like on a Sunday morning at 5 a.m. Um, cool dude. And, of course, he's one of the all-time greats as far as I'm concerned. I followed him in early WWF and WWWF and then in AWA and always thought he was a, one of the great performers. And shame he didn't get a run with the WWF title, but, uh, you know, you can understand that because because of what was going on there and he was kind of smaller than their top stars uh but certainly not a small man by any means that's all i got that's awesome man that's a fantastic story man thank you for for sharing with us and what a cool memory you have of like you said one of the greats of all time and you got to have a personal one-on-one interaction with him that is absolutely fantastic dave Oh, yeah, it was uh, the great, you know, he, he was probably the greatest wrestler I ever spent some time chatting with. And uh, what a gracious and and nice guy. He was probably glad to get rid of me. Thank God Crowbar was there. <laughs> <laughs> Who is this guy? <laughs> but, yeah, very very courteous and, and, and uh, a nice guy. And, and uh, you know, I'll never think of him as Mr. Perfect. I, I like just the Kurt Hennig, the Kurt Hennig deal. And, Followed his work and thought he, thought he was a great, great performer. I thought he would have made an excellent horseman. You know what I mean? When they were mm. looking for that that fourth horseman uh, for a while, I, th- I thought he would have been perfect. And uh, didn't he join him and, like, turn on him the next week? It was very disappointing that uh, his, short, his stay was so short there. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. It was a long time ago. All right, you guys take care and uh, keep up the good work. Thank you so much, man, for calling in. We appreciate that story. You're welcome. I love that we're ending the show on a call that wasn't necessarily about Mr. Perfect's in-ring ability, but just kind of speaks to the kind of guy he was outside of the ring. I mean, if you think about it, uh, to be at 5 in the morning walking through an airport, you probably have a tendency to just have your head down and just kind of minding your own business but when you're when you're in the in the spotlight of a professional athlete or professional performer, you're going to get recognized. And he could have very easily told this guy to kick kick rocks and go. He wanted to be by himself, but he took the time to to walk and talk with somebody that uh, was a stranger to him at the time. And so that really speaks to the kind of person that he was away from the cameras. And so that's that's a really beautiful way to end today's episode. Absolutely, man. And uh, next week, I say we're talking about Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. And like I said, head over to thewrestlingcollector.com later today and uh, check out our magazine subscription that we have. We're also doing a mystery pack. Um, we have had over 40 signings, Jay, over the last year. And we're doing mystery envelopes where uh, we can send autographed pictures in the mail uh, to you. And you don't know what you're going to get until you open it. And uh, you can either do a, a three pack, a four pack, five pack, or a dozen uh photos a dozen photos are only gonna be sixty dollars jay and it includes autographed pictures in there it could be uh stan hansen ted dibiase sergeant slaughter demolition nikita koloff i mean everyone we've done over the last year you have a, a chance to get them so it's going to be a cool package that we're going to do what a deal man holy cow well you know we have we have we have a couple thousand pictures autographed pictures sitting here at the store so we i figured it'd be cool to do something with them so uh, we're going to be doing mystery packs uh, starting uh, – go to the, the, the page later tonight, uh, the wrestlingcollector.com. They'll be up on there. And, uh, and, Jay, you don't need a mystery pack because you have everyone already. 
Listen, thanks to Tommy and his Monday Night Virtuals, my autograph collection has, I, I don't know, I can't even quantify. I maybe had three or four autographs before this started, and now I've got two albums just full of autographs from amazing talent from the era I fell in love with wrestling. Uh, so, Tommy, I'm so appreciative of that. Um, it's fun to show it off and to show people they can't believe how many autographs uh, I've been able to collect thanks to Monday Night Virtual. When you say you've had over 40 in the last year that you've been doing this, now I'm not just saying this to, to, to blow your horn or anything, but that's got to be the most autograph sessions that any promoter is putting out there. Like you are doing so many so often, which it just blows my mind. It's super impressive. Thank you, man. I'm sure there's more out there to do more than me, but yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. And I, I appreciate it. And our next one's going to be this coming Monday, October the 11th. Monday Night Virtual with the leader of the Four Horsemen, WWE Hall of Famer, Mr. J.J. Dillon, will be joining us on the hot seat live this Monday night. The coolest part, Jay, only 20 bucks to get a personalized autographed picture of a Hall of Fame legend, Mr. J.J. Dillon, this Monday night. You can watch it live Monday from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern time on 80s Wrestling on our Facebook page. And you can head over to 80swrestlingcon.com now. Select which photo you'd like of JJ to sign. And they'll sign it live for you this Monday night on Monday Night Virtual. Also give you a shout-out as well. And we'll ship the photo out to you after the signing. Only 20 bucks this Monday night. The thing I'm looking forward to is, yes, when you think of J.J. Dillon, you think of the Four Horsemen. But he also spent years working behind the scenes for the World Wrestling Federation. So this guy literally has seen it and experienced all of what we like to talk about here on the 80s wrestling uh, podcast. And so I can't wait to hear some of the stories that he shares as he's signing those ridiculously underpriced autographs, man. What a value this coming Monday. Like you said, one of the all-time greats, Hall of Famer, seen it all, done it all, J.J. Dillon. I know I'll be watching. Thank you, brother. And until next week, I hope you and your Family, have a great weekend, Jay. Hope everyone out there has a great weekend and hope to see some of you guys this Monday night for Monday Night Virtual. Until then, until next Thursday when we talk about Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, we'll catch you here then on 80s Wrestling, the podcast. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.